This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Amen and amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to start there today, and we're going to go over, we're going to uh, look at a passage in the Old Testament, We're going to, then we're going to go over and look at a passage in the New Testament today to kind of hit this point hard, but I, I am thankful that you're here today, I'm thankful that we're back, we had a great Christmas, we had a great New Year, I told somebody this morning that the joy you feel pulling into your driveway is the same joy you felt when you left it, because at some point you're just ready to come home. And uh, we uh, we are glad to be back. We are, but I'm also blessed to have a church that's willing to let their pastor take just a little break. And I heard that last week went amazing, went great. One gave their heart to Christ. Can we go ahead and give God praise for that? Amen. But we are glad to be here, and I want to share some um, a 2020 vision with you today. Right? That uh, I'm very optimistic about this year. I'm very, uh, I look forward to not only in your life, but also in this church. There has been this expectation mindset for me when I think about what God's going to do this year. So I want to share some of that with you today and preach something that I believe will be very important to us as we move forward. It's about, it's about getting over what I call a slavery mindset and, and crossing over to our promised land. And going to where I know that God wants us to go. And, and if you look at the Israelites, okay, and we're going to be looking at them in just a moment. They were in slavery, they were slaves for a long, long time. And when you're in dry seasons like that, when you just don't know how you're going to get out of it, when it's 400 years we're talking about, they, that's all they ever knew. And, and for you, your, your dry season might be your, your, your kids who need, need Christ. It might be a job. It might be something at home. It might be a healing that you've been praying for. And it might be something that you're going through and you've been praying and you've been praying and it seems like things on the outside cannot be fixed. And, and what you do is you pray and then you get out of it. And the first sign of something bad happening again, you go back to that mindset of nothing will ever get better. That's what I call this slavery mindset. It's that you can't get past knowing that God will and can come through for you. And I think too many times we live in that mindset that God's not going to do it. I've heard his promises, I've heard what's, what's been preached, I've, I've heard what's been taught, I know that God can, but will he do it for me? I see it all the time, I see it in somebody else, I look on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, and I see God did it for them, I see God did it for them, and I'm sitting here wallowing back in my car saying, God, why haven't you done it for me? And we sometimes get in that mindset, but let me tell you something, God's timing is always perfect. He's never late on his promises. And if he's promised you something, it will happen. We just have to get past this slavery mindset that I'm never going to get past that and walk over to our promised land. Amen. So I've been praying for a few months now about this message and this new year. And I believe we have some good um, direction today. Let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament. Like I said, we're going to jump over to the new and look at the Apostle Paul. But we'll start right here in Joshua chapter 3. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm crossing over. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, 
Joshua and all the Israelites set out. They set out to a Jordan where they had camped. Okay, they had set up camp there before crossing over. Verse 2, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and go after it. Then you will know which way to go. And I love this part because it says, since you have never been this way before. You see those officers understood, understood to go where you've never gone. You've got to do things you've never done. And so they told them, they gave them instruction, they gave them the, uh, the uh, direction that when you see the Ark of the Covenant go, you go and you follow that. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Isn't that an amazing promise? Isn't that such a good promise to know that the God of all creation is looking down and he's saying for tomorrow, I am going to do amazing things in your life. Here's what I hear. I hear hope. I hear a hope. You're talking about people who have been in slavery and I hear hope. I hear that for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. So Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Verses 5 and 6 that are very important. I want you to remember what Joshua told the people there to consecrate themselves. Now listen to verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Let me tell you something here. Joshua was chosen to be the leader, to lead them into the promised land. He had all the power, had all the cards. He could have laid them on the table and exalted himself above everything else. And he was in charge. He was the man that everybody looked to, but he understood to be a godly leader. He must not exalt himself, but rather must lower himself to that of a servant and exalt the Most High God because it was God who was going to bring about all the promises that has been spoken. So Joshua said, consecrate yourselves before who? The Lord, not before me, not before men, but before a holy God. And that's who he told them. And because of that, God exalted him. Because if you want to lead your home this year, I don't care if you're man, woman, boy, or girl. If you want to be the leader of your home, then exalt Jesus in private. Exalt him in public. Shout his name from the rooftops. No matter where you are, live your life according to the will of God, and he will exalt you. We're crossing over this morning. Verse number 8, it says, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. 
So Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all the otherites that might have been after them. This is how you will know that my God will come through. You see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, listen to this now, the Lord of all the earth sets foot in the Jordan. Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap. Now they have been just given a promise. They have been told what's going to happen. They're about to enter into the land that God has so promised them. But there is something in their way. There is an obstacle in their path. And I can hear the groanings of everybody. Oh, I'm not going out in that water. It's a little bit too high for me. I don't want to get my kids out in that water. I just don't know. I think I'm comfortable right where I'm at. And see what the, what the promise the Lord gave them is. Not only will you not have to set foot in that water, but when the Ark of the Covenant reaches the water's edge, the water will stand up on its own so you can walk across on dry ground. So here's what happened. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. But here's where it gets interesting. Verse 15 starts off like this. Now the Jordan is at what? Flood stage. What's that mean? The water was high and could potentially be a hazard. A problem to cross. But don't you know that my God does his best work when it seems like man has no way of correcting the problem himself? That's how my God works and that's, and that's what we pray for him to do. You see the children of Israel. We're in Egypt for over 400 years. During that time, they were forced into slavery. Generation after generation grew up that way. All they knew was slavery. When they awoke in the morning, they were slaves. When they went to work, they worked as a slave. When they came home at night, they were slaves. Every child they had was a slave and destined to be raised as a slave. But now they had to let that mindset go and understand that right across that riverbed is my promise. And I've got to believe on the word of the Lord that he spoke and said that my promise is right there and I'm going to believe that when I walk that water is going to stand up you see when a person is raised as a slave in a society of slaves they will naturally think like a slave and they view the world from the mentality of a slave. They're not accustomed to trying to think for themselves. They're used to having someone else tell them what to do and what they cannot do. They are not familiar with the thought of being free. They don't understand rights. This, this, is a, this is all new to their way of life. And as a slave, life remains the same day after day, year after year, and generation after generation. Change is not something they were accustomed to. I wonder what might have crossed their mind when they heard the promise, is this really going to happen? We've been waiting for so long. My grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents all lived in this and died and they never saw it. What makes me think that I'm going to see it? 
Could you imagine what might have been going through their head? Is this finally the time? But let me tell you something, child of God. When the Lord says it, you better believe it. I want to say that again because for somebody in here who might have doubted the work of God in their life, when God says it, you better believe it. Because he's coming through. You see, when God raised up Moses as the deliverer of the children of Israel, it must have seemed too good to be true. Just think the sense of excitement which must have been experienced by them on that day. For years they had dreamt of being free, longed to be free. And at last their dream was coming true. After 400 years in Egypt, they were embarking on a new day, a new freedom. But soon after leaving the bondages of Egypt, you can go back and read the accounts. They had a difficult time adjusting to life away from all they ever knew. They didn't know how to conduct themselves. They had never been a free people before. God had delivered them with great and powerful miracles. Yet the first time they encountered trouble, they forgot all about God and his miracles. All they can see is the army of Egypt bearing down upon them. In a moment, their hopes are dashed. Their faith has left them. And they're ready to turn tail and run back to the only thing they ever knew. A life of slavery. And let me tell you something, child of God. This is not a season to be looking behind you. What you left in 2019, you don't carry with you to this year. This is a new season. This is a new year. And what's happened has happened. And let it be and move on and see what God's going to do in your life. They are tasked now with crossing a riverbed that's overflowing. And some of them might not. Don't even think for a minute that they didn't complain. Remember, this is the same group of people who, when Moses was in charge, complained about everything. And I'm talking everything, so much so that the people said, oh, it would be better if we were dead. And now they have a riverbed. But the only difference now is that God promised what was to happen next. And in life, let me tell you, friend, that little word from him is all that you need. Just a little nudge, just a little push, just a little, little just, just, a, just a little talk to let you know that God's on your side. How do we let go of a slavery mindset? How do we cross over into what God has destined for us? We let go of what we cannot do and we allow God to do what he can. We stop worrying about things that we have no control over and we let God be the God that we know that he is. We stop, look, we, we stop arguing and complaining and doing this and doing that and, and, and over small things that don't mean anything. But rather we put our mindset and our knees to the ground and our head to the air and we start praising the God that we know that can take us to where we need to go. Amen. We remember what God has promised. He told them that as soon as the feet hit the water, the waters would stop. And won't you just watch what happens next? Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, 
Verse 16, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. While the water flowing down to the sea of, of the, the Dead Sea there was completely cut off. So what did the people do? They saw the open door. They saw what God had promised. And they said, I'm crossing over. I'm not staying back where I'm comfortable. I'm not staying in what I've always known. I'm not, I, I see something a little bit better on the other side. And I'm willing. Oh, there's dry ground. The water's starting to move. It's rising up. It's what God promised. I'm going to take one step ahead of the other. And I'm going to walk into the promise that God gave me. So what happened? So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on what? Dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. Let me tell you something, church. It's time to cross over. It's time to cross over to where I know God wants us to go. How do we overcome this mindset? You let God do it. You don't consume yourself with where you've been or what has happened in the past. You look forward to where you're going. I get it. Things happen. Life happens. Not everything is perfect. I'm telling you, there's, life hits and sometimes it stinks. Can we just be honest? Sometimes we wake up into the, 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 the morning and say, well, I wish yesterday wouldn't have happened. I know I'm not the only one that's ever thought that way. But let me tell you something. I cannot concern myself with what's already gone. I have to concern myself with what God has said right now, and I have to press forward. I'm no longer a slave to my past. I'm no longer a slave to what other people have said about me. I'm no longer to that mentality, that mindset that I have to be this and I have to be that. I am who I am because that's how God created me. I'm a child of God and there's no other person that can convince me any different than that right there. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God just like you are. I hear too many people calling and texting me and saying, Pastor, you won't believe what they said. You won't believe what they did. It's okay. Let them talk. I am a child of God. And I will cross over. Would you look at your neighbor again and say, I'm crossing over. What are you believing for? What, are you, what have you been praying for? As this new year has come, 2020, can you believe it? 2020 is here. What are some things that you've been praying for, that you've been asking God for? Let me tell you something. If God said it, believe it. I want to jump over to the New Testament for just a couple minutes. I want to hammer down the same point. If you'll go ahead and put the first passage up, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul. Something that he said, something he did, it's in a letter that he wrote. You see, there's two dynamics of faith in this passage that are important for us to see. So we're going to look at Paul, who in his ministry exemplified the kind of faith that very few of us are probably ever going to attain to, including myself. 
But at least we can look at how he approached the topic as he was writing this letter. It starts out like this in verse 12 here. You can see it on the screen. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everybody else that I am in chains for Christ. An interesting use of words there. That I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. And rivalry is something I can't stand. Churches should never rival. They should compliment. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I want to remind you just a little tidbit about this passage. He's writing this from a jail cell. He's in prison and uses the words, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Think about where his mind is at right now. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they could stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live as Christ dies gain, I could stop right there. This is good and I could preach just, just a minute, but I'm going to go on for just a couple more uh, here. Verse number 22, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. I desire to be in heaven which is better by far. But listen to this. It is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound. Let me tell you something about Paul here. It's important that we get this right because... In this stage of his life, I need you to understand he has reached a level of progress here that he no longer cares what you or I think about him. He has reached that place in life where he's a little bit older now and he's been through some things, a lot of things, and he's speaking not according to what we want to hear, but what we need to know. And see, what, and because of this right here, he's like, hey, look, I've actually figured some things out. And I want to let you know about this right here. And I find it interesting, a couple words that he uses here. We're going to get to them in, 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 in a moment. But there's many scholars who think this is the happiest book in the entire Bible. And Paul wrote it from a jail cell. Think about that. Would you be the happiest person alive if you were in a... a, a I know I wouldn't. 
If I was in prison, locked up in chains, I wouldn't be happy. But let me say, Paul must have known something about the kind of faith that's not dependent upon the situation. And the reason, I think, is because he says in verse 12, he says, brothers and sisters, about what has happened to me, but then he doesn't say anything about what actually happened to him. I want you to think about that for just a moment because I was confused by that at first because he gives no details on how the food is. Is he even eating? How are the living quarters arranged? How are the guards treating him? He gives them no expectation of when he might get out and come see them again. And they're worried about this because Paul is very important to the progress of the gospel. Paul is the one who is carrying this message in a, in a unique way that only he can. And while he's in prison, some think the gospel is not going out. But he says, actually. You see, it's an interesting choice of words there. He says, actually, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And the word advance that he uses is not many to, to move along easily like the will of God we think should be. But the word progress there, it means to make progress in spite of severe opposition. Even though people are pushing against me to not get this word out, I am progressing the gospel. So what he's saying is, listen. I could spend a whole letter telling you about what happened to me, and I could even complain and gripe just a little bit. Or, this is what I choose. I could spend the rest of this letter telling you that what happened to me is moving the purpose of God forward. I'd rather focus on what God is doing through me than what has happened to me. You want to know how to get past that slave mindset and to cross over into your promised land? I'm going to read this again. I need us to focus on what God is doing through us than what is happening to us. Because too many times we spend all the time telling people about what's happening. And it seems to me that many of us orient most of our prayer around God changing our situation. But let me ask you this. What if God is more interested in changing you than changing the situation? And he wants to use the situation to progress the gospel. You see, Paul understood that. It's an interpretation that requires faith to look at what you're going through and know that it's about more than what you feel in that moment. In fact, sometimes God will use the very situation that we would pray away to do the things that only can be done in those types of situations. Have you ever had God do something for you that you knew only he could do? Have you ever had something happen to you that you know there's no other way to explain it than it was God? Am I the only one? How would you feel in that moment? I didn't care who was around me. I didn't care who could hear me. I shouted as loud as I could. I might even danced a couple times. I might have sung a song. I don't know what I did. But let me tell you something. I didn't just stand still. I did something crazy, and sometimes you see me down here, and that's why I worship the way that I do. That's why I praise the way that I do, because I know the type of situations that I go through in life, there's only one answer for those problems, and it's Jesus Christ. There's no man. There's nothing that this world can do to help me, but rather I must get on my knees and pray to the only one who can. What do you need God to do for you this year? 
There's things that only God can do. And when those things happen, you don't care about what somebody thinks about you. You don't care about if somebody hears you. You praise God with every ounce in your body and you shout it from the rooftops of all that God's done. On the surface, it looks like it's going to take me out. On the surface, I wish it didn't hurt this bad. On the surface, I wish it didn't have to happen this way. But Paul said this, watch, I'm in chains for Christ. But he says, actually, because I'm not just chained to the guards. He said, actually, the guards are chained to me. You see, it's all about his mindset. Because you realize in that moment, he could have very well given up. He could have very well quit. I'm in jail. These people threw me in jail. It's over. I can't take it anymore. But he said, actually, what you think was going to take me out is going to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You said, not only was I chained to them, but because they were chained to me, now they have to listen to every word that I say. They have to read every word that I write. They are right there with me when I go to bed, when I'm praying in the evening, when I'm praying in the morning. They hear every single word. He said, actually. He said, actually, this is not to harm me. This is not to hurt me. But what has happened, God's going to do it for my good. Actually, it's all on his outlook. I wonder, can you say the same thing about the situation you're in today? Or are you so busy praying for God to get you out of stuff? Are you so busy asking God to get you out that you miss the fact that God's trying to get in? My God, can we let that soak in for just a minute? Because I'm going to say numero uno right here. I'm number one guy that does this the most. So I'm not sitting here trying to step on toes. Right now my toes are hurting. Because too many times I sit down and I say, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I need you to do this. And the whole time all he's saying is, but Chris, I just want to use you through it. Why? <laughs> Actually, what these men meant to hurt me, what the enemy has meant to harm me with, actually, it will be used to progress. 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 He says, I am put here. Not by Caesar. Not by the people. I am put here to see the gospel of Jesus Christ sent out. And let me tell you something. I'm not a slave to how I feel. I'm not a slave to what I want. I'm not a slave to what I need to understand to trust God because I don't have to understand to trust God. In fact, if I can understand, I don't need faith. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know how the outcome is going to be. I don't have to know any of that. All I have to do is stand firm on his word that God said it, and I'm going to believe it to be true. Yes, is it easier said than done? Absolutely. I'm not going to try to convince you that it's easy, because it's not. 
But let me tell you something. If I can give you any confidence this morning and equip you with anything, it's this right here. Hold on to what God said. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. That's what Paul said. I might have been thrown in here by people, but this one thing I have learned from God, if people mean it for evil, God will use it for good. I want to share with you a verse in this passage that in my study of this message has become my favorite verse. It's a verse you've probably never heard preached. Probably never heard quoted by itself. But I'm going to share it with you right now. Because Paul has reached that point that he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to preach the gospel. He doesn't care if people are talking. He doesn't care if people are doing something behind his back. He knows what God has called him to do. And this is what he says in verse 18. Listen to it. He said, but what does it matter? But what does it matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter what they did. I know what God told me. Paul reached that point where he said people can yeah, yeah, all they want to. It's not going to bother me. What does it matter? It's not doing me any good to worry about it. It's not doing me any good to concern myself with that. He said in verse 18, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Do you know how much stress would go away in our life if we would just remember that one verse right there? When something comes against us and wants to get us all down and out, that we look back at that meno in, 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 in me and say, what does it matter? Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. I know what God told me. What? Does it matter? As a matter of fact, I want you to pray for, for me, okay? And we're going to do it right now. I want you to uh, repeat these words. Say, God, I pray for Pastor Chris that he'd stop worrying about dumb stuff. I mean it. I really do. And I pray for you every day that you'd stop letting other people steal your joy. That you'd stop letting other people dictate who you are in Christ. That if the waves keep on raging, that you would stay locked in on what matters. Not on things that don't matter. Lord, stop letting people get divided over things that don't matter. And let them know that your love is greater than all shame. It's greater than all sin. And if they belong to you, nothing is impossible. What does it matter? I'm telling you this morning, I'm crossing over. In fact, I am a weapon formed in the hands of God, aimed at the darkness, and created to do good works in Jesus Christ. Paul said, but what does it matter? I need you to remember that verse. As I feel that's why there's nights of anxiety. Why you keep replaying stuff that happened over and over in your head. You live in regret and re replaying things that people said about you that hurt you. And replayed all those lies wondering why somebody would say that about you. Paul said, I'm not a slave to what other people think about me. What does it matter? If Jesus is being preached, then I will rejoice. You see, I love these lights. I really do. I think they're nice. 
I love music. Music is awesome. I listen to music every day. Music is great. But let me, let me tell you something. My source of joy don't come from lights. My source of joy don't come from a style of music. My source of joy comes from the fact that people are being restored, that lives are being transformed, that people are being saved, and that the gospel is being preached. That's what brings me joy. So here's what I'm saying. If you're not going to move the chains, then use the chains to release somebody else. I'm crossing over. I need to hurry up this morning. If you play some light music there behind me. Jesus, help us. You know, we usually walk by sight. That's That's how we walk. Even though the Bible speaks against that. We walk by sight. We walk by what we see, by what we feel, by what we know. And when we don't feel progress, we give up. We skip the gym, right? We don't feel progress, then we stop praying. When healing doesn't come, we lose our sense of confidence that God is good. That's that's why the Bible says to walk by faith. Not Not by sight, not by what we see. Because if what we see doesn't match with what God said, then we get depressed. We get upset. And that's when we start comparing ourselves to everybody. Well, God, you did it for them. Why can't you do it for for me too? When we start walking by sight, when the outcome of our life doesn't match with what God said, we start saying, well, God, why would you do it for them and not for, 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 for me? I'm here to tell you the same God that did it for them is the same God that can do it for you. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else and know that God is working on your behalf right now. Your answer might not come today. It might come next week. It might come next month. It might come next year. But until that day happens, I'm going to hold true to what I know that God said. I walk by faith and not by sight. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You say, Pastor Chris, I brought a situation from 2019 into into 2020. I've been praying for it. I just, I, I, I need peace. It could be a daughter, it could be a son, it could be a job, it could be a home, it could be anything. I've got something that's been weighing me down. And I just can't seem to cross over the Jordan. I can't seem to go into the promised land because the water seemed just a little bit too high. I need the peace of God over my life and I need Him to release His angels to help me in this season. If that's you, would you slip your hand? My goodness, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's hands everywhere. My God, my God, my God. My God. You say, Pastor Chris, my life is actually pretty good right now. I've got nothing to complain about. I've, everything's good happening in my life. But God, I'm at that place where I'm ready to see my church cross over. I'm ready to see my church go to where I know it needs to. Would you slip your hand? My God, every hand in this place. 
All eyes look, look, looking on me. Can I share a, a Greek word with, with, with you real quick and then, then we'll pray. Paul uses a phrase in this passage that I leave, I, it says, I eagerly hope and expect. That word is apokaradokia. There are three parts of that word. Apo means that I will turn away from. You have, you have the word kara that means head. Which is so apokara, I will turn my head away from. And then, um, then, then the last part of that means, and I will stretch forward. When Paul said, I eagerly hope and expect, he says, Apokaradokia, I will turn my head away from the things that don't matter, and I will stretch my head toward what you promised me. That's what hoping and expecting means. So this morning, I saw 25 hands go up. You are hoping and expecting something to happen in your life. I'm telling you, Apokaradokia, right now. Turn your head away from the things that don't matter and look forward to what God said and your promise will come. You want to cross over the Jordan? You want to see the waters rise up on both sides? Then get behind the Ark of the Covenant, baby, because it's coming. It's coming. And I'm not going to be late. <laughs> I want God so bad to move. God, I want him to move, Brother Moore. I want him so bad. I prayed this morning that this altar would just become a river of his presence. I want to see leaders filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I want to see people's lives being restored. I want to see promises answered. I want to see sons and daughters come home. I want more than anything to see it. And I've got the Jordan. And God told me it's coming. <laughs> so I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm crossing over. Would you meet me in this altar this morning? Would you pray with me? Let me pray with you. And let's see what God has for this church in 2020.